This video is brought to you by Passport, the Bitcoin hardware wallet you already know how to use. Stay tuned to the video to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Mr. Dennis Porter. He is the CEO and co-founder of Satoshi Action Fund. He's been up to a lot of work recently um, around uh, legislation uh, and, and fighting anti-Bitcoin legislation. And uh, we are very, very pleased to have him on the show today. Dennis, how's it going, man? Hey, Joe. Glad to be on the show and uh, excited to talk about some of the things that are going on in the legislative world. For sure. Absolutely. You know, we love to have experts on in their respective fields. And uh, when it comes to uh, Bitcoin uh, legislation, Bitcoin mining legislation, you're really at the forefront of, of all of that. Talk to us first. Uh, you were in Austin, uh, the capital of Texas, a few days ago, um, and, and you were fighting this bill, Bill SB 7151 with Pierre Rochard. It's an anti-Bitcoin mining bill. Give us, uh, give our viewers a sense of this bill, how it came about, and, and what you've been doing in order to, uh, to fight back on that. Yeah, uh, SB 1751 is what I would just classify it as an anti-Bitcoin mining bill. Um, you know, oftentimes you get legislation out there that is, you know, you can't define perfectly whether it's attacking you or not. But within the bill itself, it literally actually calls out uh, virtual currency data centers and it tries to remove some of the incentives that are available to all industry, all companies in Texas. Uh, it tries to eliminate Bitcoin miners from participating in demand response over a 10% threshold. So keeping them to a small chunk of the pie. And it also eliminates Bitcoin miners from being able to acquire tax abatements. Now, you know, we're not going to be here, sit here and talk about whether or not we should be pro or anti tax abatements. But this is typically a tool that is used by counties, rural counties to attract jobs. It allows uh, those businesses that come into the area to have about a 10 year tax deferral on their property taxes. Uh, and that makes sure that they're able to attract those businesses to, those, to that local area. Uh, and industries all across the state use this uh, when they are trying to create jobs in those areas. And unfortunately, this legislation just basically says that only Bitcoin miners can't access it, which is just unfair and it's bad policy. Um, and it's an attack on Bitcoin mining. And we, we're, we're starting to kind of wonder, it's like, okay, if, if this bill is so anti-Bitcoin mining, despite all of the positive things that the technology has had for the state, you know, including creating jobs, local investment, but also grid stability. You know, why why does this bill exist and, and where is it coming from? The only thing that we can think of is that there are other industries that are not happy with just how good Bitcoin mining is at balancing the grid. I mean, there is literally no better technology for balancing the grid than Bitcoin mining. So who you know who who stands to lose from this brand new technology that just does a way better job of making sure that rates stay down and power stays reliable. Well, you know, the natural conclusion is others that were originally participating in those programs, those demand response type programs, other industries, now they can't compete. And so they have to use a legislator to try to slow Bitcoin mining down. Uh, the other thought process is it could be those in the peaker plant world or in the gas world who are usually the ones that are most likely to be uh, called on to balance the grid. And because Bitcoin miners are so much better at it, they might not be being called on as often. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different industries that could be coming together to try to push this bill. Um, also, unfortunately, uh, Senator Colcourse has a very strong anti-CCP mandate 
And we're wondering if someone's whispering in her ear telling her that this legislation is, you know, bringing in all these Bitcoin miners, that all this mining hardware is made in China and we should be careful and we should watch out. Now, I hate to say that that's a possibility, but, but we have seen this before. In, in Mississippi, the same thing occurred. We, we saw a legislator uh, go on the attack against Bitcoin mining policy because she thought that that legislation was going to bring more Chinese business to her state. And unfortunately, there is this undertone of kind of like anti-Chinese business. You know, there is some sort of reasoning behind it because of the CCP and the way they operate. But yeah, that's, that's where we are with the legislation. Um, you know, obviously the process is, is that this is got put on the uncontested list. So if a, if a bill goes through committee and no one votes to oppose it, which this bill received a 10-0 uh, vote in favor, then the chair can, at the request of the bill author, put that bill onto the uncontested list. So the bill was put on the uncontested list, which means it's going to move really fast through the Senate, could could end up on the Senate floor with a, a vote next week, early next week. And because, again, it's on the uncontested list, typically in the Senate, you have like a 95% chance of that bill passing. So we're highly concerned about the bill moving through the Senate quickly. And then on the House side, now we're gearing up to make sure that it gets slowed down as, as much as possible. But I'll, I'll pause there and, and kind of see if you have any questions as it pertains to the process so far. Perfect. Yeah. So w with the, the next steps in terms of this bill, um, you're saying that it's more it's it's in a position right now where it, it has the potential to be rushed through the Senate. Uh, you know, if, if that does occur um, and this legis legislation does end up uh, getting passed into law, uh, you know, is there is there possibility for uh, review of this if it does get signed into law? Is there possibility for another uh, bill to get passed into law that negates what occurs here? Because if this uh, you know gets uh, gets through um, uh, uh, Texas legislature and it gets passed into law uh, very quickly, this could be uh, this could be extremely deleterious to one of the uh, the most accommodative areas in the United States. For Bitcoin mining, if this does get passed through, what what's the recourse there, and what what do you think the likelihood of it getting passed into law is? It's hard to say for now what the likelihood is for it to get passed, but we don't want to take any chances at all. So we're going to be working very aggressively to make sure that this bill never has an opportunity to get voted on in the first place. You know, we we can potentially rely on the governor if for chance this does make it through the Senate and then the House. There is an opportunity to try to go and uh, advocate our issue to the governor's office. Uh, governor Abbott has been very supportive of the industry. And I do know there are folks reaching out currently right now, trying to make sure that he is aware of the issue. Um, we've, we've also reached out to folks in the governor's office and the lieutenant governor's office, as well as people within um, other offices on the federal delegation to try to tell them like, hey, you know, this is a big issue and you have been very supportive of this industry. If this bill passed, I mean, it would do, it would produce pretty significant cooling off of the industry in Texas. Um, the ability for Bitcoin miners to participate in these programs was one of the number one reasons why they moved there. And, you know, the tax abatements help as well, but the, that's really the, the, the ability to balance the grid. That's really the, the key reason you know, why Bitcoin has been so successful, Bitcoin mining has been so successful in Texas. And it is why when the China ban occurred, so much of the world's global hash rate moved to Texas. So capping Bitcoin miners at 10%, which is the number, the arbitrary number that they chose for participation in these programs, not only will have a cooling off for Bitcoin miners in the state, I think it just will be bad for Texans. It will be bad for ratepayers there because if Bitcoin miners are so successful at balancing the grid, 
that our competitors have to use the legislator to slow us down, that means it's going to reduce the downward pressure on these services. Because when Bitcoin miners bid into the market to do demand response, frequency response, or any other ancillary service, they are over time reducing the cost to hold those services. And when the cost of those services stay up, those that means the rates are staying up for customers because grid reliability costs something. It's not something that you can acquire for free. Uh, and if we're bringing down the cost of those services over time, it means that we're able to bring down the cost of electricity in the state of Texas and also improve reliability. So it's it's something that I we don't really understand where or why it's coming from, other than that it just must be some sort of group like lobby group, a multi-industry lobby group trying to pass this legislation. But if it does pass through the Senate, and if it does pass through the House, we'll be fighting it at the governor's office. And if it does pass the governor's office, we'll have to probably look at what we can do on the legal side of possibly taking this up to the courts. Absolutely. And in the interest of really, you know, a lot of this, the root issue here seems to be either just Bitcoin mining illiteracy uh, or a targeted attack by people who who genuinely understand what's going on. But I, I tend to uh, think it's 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 simply um, folks who, who may not grasp uh, the utility of having Bitcoin mining and particularly um, incentivizing uh, Bitcoin miners to uh, be able to shut off their machines in, uh, in times of, uh, of much higher grid load. Uh, your pinned tweet, and I, I'd like you to explain uh, briefly demand response for our listeners who may not be understanding Bitcoin's role in that and stabilizing the grid. Uh, your pinned tweet uh, goes through Bitcoin miners returning enough power to heat 1.5 million homes during a Texas winter storm that occurred back in January. So just explain briefly, um, you know, particularly for, for anybody who may be listening, who may uh, have the power uh, in their, in their uh, legislative authority in the state that they live in um, to, uh, to, to, to create more accommodative laws for this. Talk a little bit about Bitcoin's role in uh, demand response functions and stabilizing the grid during times of high load. Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Joe. Uh, so in a nutshell, demand response is a grid balancing program. Uh, the grid is uh, running 24 seven, 365, and we need to make power available to customers at all times. Uh, in order to make sure that your lights stay on, that your heater stays on during a winter storm or that your air conditioning stays on during a heat wave, oftentimes there's a lot of peak demand on the grid and grid operators have to go find more power for you. It could be, or it could be because the power plant went off, which is the case of Winter Storm Uri and Winter Storm Elliot in Texas. So grid operators have to frantically go find how to make sure that they can keep the lights on, keep the power on for customers. In the past, what they have done is they have wound up peaker plants, which are just basically you know jet jet engines on uh, sitting on the ground that are kind of spinning and waiting for these moments to occur, and they they boot up and they deliver power to the grid when uh, customers need it the most. Uh, other options have been to uh, use batteries as well as to import power. And so that would be like importing power from outside the state of, of Texas through other grid connections. Uh, but recently, well, I should say recently within the last 20, 30 years, there has been quite a bit of work to grow out these other forms of or other methods to be able to balance the grid in these types of peak demand moments. And one of those services is called demand response. So what happens is instead of going to look for more power through peaker plants, through batteries, or through importing power, which are you know can be carbon intensive and often expensive, especially in the peak, case of peaker plants, uh, instead of doing that, you would ask customers to curtail their power usage instead. Uh, so 
various industries have participated in these programs in the past. So in the, for instance, like a steel plant, you know, you have uh, your steel being created and the furnace and the furnace uses a lot of heat or used a lot of power. Uh, so what you do is as a grid operators, you'd go and say, Hey, can you please shut off your power usage for a little while so that we can provide more power to the customers who need it the most. You, most uh, industrial applications are not really interested in curtailing, but if given the right sort of incentives, which these programs provide, uh, monetary incentives, they are willing to curtail. Uh, however, things like a steel plant or cement plant or other chemical industries can only curtail for so long. Uh, there's a few reasons why. The, the primary one is that it really starts to negatively impact the supply chain. You have inputs and outputs, right? You have, uh, in, in the instance of a steel plant, you have you know, your raw material going in and then you have refined steel coming out and there's uh, you know supply chain that occurs within that process. Well, if you shut off that middle area where the furnace is at, then your supply chain has frozen and that causes a lot of problems uh, for supply chains globally. So uh, the reason why Bitcoin mining is so much better than these other industries is because there is no supply chain. There's no input or output. You're just using electricity on site to create something digitally. Uh, another problem that occurs oftentimes for industries is if, if they shut off their operations, it can actually damage their equipment. Again, this is not a problem with, with Bitcoin mining. And so in the case of Winter Storm Uri, which was not the last uh, winter storm, it was, it was the one previous, there was no significant amount of Bitcoin mining on the grid at that point. It was still in China. China then later banned Bitcoin mining. A lot of it moved here to the United States. And then we had Winter Storm Elliott, just this last recent uh, December, January time span. And during that winter storm, uh, Elliot, Bitcoin miners returned 1500 megawatts. So the, enough Bitcoin mining, which was about 97% of the Bitcoin mining within Texas, or at least the ones that we know about, shut off their operations and gave the power that they were using back to the grid and during that emergency. And that was roughly about 1500 megawatts, which is about uh, enough power to heat 1.5 million small homes. So it's a very large amount of power, a very significant amount of power. You could also power... 300 large hospitals with that amount of power. So it's, it's pretty significant. And to be able to do that in an emergency, you know, typically during an emergency, no one wants to shut off their power. But Bitcoin miners are ready, willing, and capable to do so. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Foundation Devices. Passport is the Bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use. With a gorgeous design and familiar interface, Passport makes it easier than ever to self-custody your Bitcoin. Take a look. This is an absolutely beautiful device. No more sitting at your computer or squinting at tiny screens. Passport, this small device that fits in the palm of your hand right here, it seamlessly connects to your phone and empowers you to quickly view your balances and move Bitcoin into and out of cold storage. And today we're offering a special deal. You can use the code BitcoinLayer for $10 off your own Passport when you receive uh, checkout or you can go to the link in our description to learn more. Now, back to the video. Absolutely remarkable explanation, Dennis. Thank you so much for that. You know, Bitcoin miners, for any legislators listening, right, they are they are simply, the, the case is, they are uniquely poised to give your city, give your state, give the country um, the best possible ability to siphon electricity where it is needed in times of crisis. These these machines can shut off without being disruptive. And, and as a result of that, the, the, the operators of these machines, um, you know, you'll, you'll have to pay them lower relative premiums in order to do so, in order to, to keep this going. And so, again, it really boggles my mind why this bill is going forward in the first place uh, when Texas has been the beneficiary of uh, de phenomenal demand response from Bitcoin miners in the past. 
what else is occurring on the legislative front, Dennis? Um, you know that that is relevant. That 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 people need to uh, you know have their attention brought towards. Obviously, Elizabeth Warren seems like a new thing every week with her. Um, it, it could be her. It could be something else. What are the most uh, prominent pressing issues uh, that are occurring across the states and elsewhere in terms of Bitcoin legislation and Bitcoin mining legislation that we should be made aware of? Yeah, it's another great question. There's a lot going on all over the country. You know, fortunately and unfortunately, we are a, a hot button issue in the country. So policymakers love to use our popularity as a way to grow their own brand. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Elizabeth Warren uh, has used this uh, popularity of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining to grow her own brand and to call on uh, creating this anti-crypto army, which you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I, I don't like to see my industry get attacked. I don't like to see Bitcoin get attacked. But one thing that it does do every time that the industry does get attacked, it is it is somewhat anti-fragile. It, it causes folks like me and others to really rise up and just double our efforts because we are real true believers in this technology and not just in Bitcoin mining, right? Like I'm an avid supporter um, and proponent of Bitcoin. There are incredible benefits that that Bitcoin has to offer and that Bitcoin mining has to offer. So be, it's always good to be aware of Elizabeth Warren. I would I would say that currently uh, she has a lot less power than she could have had if the Democrats controlled the House and the Senate. So in some ways, we are a little bit fortunate to have this this period, this next two years or about a year and a half left now where we can not have to be as concerned with the federal government because of this uh, division between the House and the Senate. And you'll find that there's always kind of like pretty much every industry says that it's it's good to have a divided Congress because they can't get anything done. So uh, for the first time uh, in our you know in Bitcoin's history, it's kind of we're experiencing the benefits of of that division of of Congress. But uh, you know in the meantime, where can we go and what can we do? Well, you know there's a reason why my organization Satoshi Action Fund is highly focused on the states because the states are where. The majority of energy policy takes place and they also give us this opportunity to move policy forward uh, and uh, have success and not have to worry as much about what's going on at the federal government I, I think that we should be still concerned and we should still be active at the federal government but i take the distinct strategy approach that the marijuana industry took which is to go state by state uh, you know today it's still a federal crime to own possess and to distribute marijuana and they also, you know, we are experiencing banking issues right now in our industry, but they you know, have no access to banking whatsoever. And yet the, the marijuana industry has been able to go state by state and establish their business in these different uh, jurisdictions. And the way that they did that really was by you know, going and pitching the benefits of this technology in a way where the legislator and the people of that state would be interested in, you know, accepting those benefits. They didn't go around and say, oh, I should be able to smoke marijuana because, you know, I, it's, it's America and it's, we're supposed to be free and it's my body. They went to legislators and they said, you know, this marijuana industry can provide taxes. Uh, it can provide jobs. It can increase property values and it can reduce crime. And I didn't just pick those out of my hat. Those are real uh, lines that were used. Those are the talking points of the marijuana industry when they went state by state. And, and in, one thing to keep in mind too is, you know, oftentimes people are like, well, this is only Bitcoin mining is only working in the red States. Well, the marijuana industry started in the blue states. In 2012, the marijuana industry passed pro-marijuana legislation in Washington and Colorado. A decade later, nearly 75% of the country has pro-marijuana legislation on the books. I think we can do the exact same thing um, with our industry and with our space. That's why we take that strategy. That's why we take that approach. Uh, and successfully so far, Satoshi Action Fund has introduced and moved legislation through multiple states. We're working in Montana, working in Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, and New Hampshire. 
uh, and we're having a lot of success in those states with our right to mine bill, which essentially protects Bitcoin miners from any sort of discrimination. Uh, we will be expanding what that covers in the in the future, but for now, it it covers Bitcoin miners from any sort of zoning changes, frivolous noise complaints, any sort of uh, tra uh, discriminatory rate changes, and also has some sort of like money transmitter exemptions in there as well, because Bitcoin miners are not, are not mon money transmitters. So we've been going around having a lot of success with that. We're going to continue pushing that, and we think a lot of other states are going to want to be interested in attracting this industry, especially when Texas is starting to kind of question whether or not it wants this industry in, in that state. Um, many other states have the opportunity now, I think, to open their doors and be able to show that they're open to the jobs and the investment and the grid stability, the environmental cleanup, and the enhancements to renewable energy projects that Bitcoin mining has to offer. Wonderful. Dennis, thank you for running through uh, what Satoshi Action Fund is working on and um, the the state-by-state -state approach, the methodology you guys are using. I think it's tremendous work. Uh, the one of the last questions I'd like to ask you is, I, I think a great deal of this, and I'm sure you'll agree, boils down to just general lack of know-how about what Bitcoin is, the benefits of Bitcoin mining uh, more generally. And, and states, particularly with older legislatures, have a difficult time grasping this. What can our viewers do and what can people in general do to improve their literacy on this new and burgeoning industry? Not just Bitcoin, the asset, but Bitcoin mining and its various benefits to states uh, and to individuals, where can people go to become more literate? What sort of uh, resources would you would you direct them towards? Yeah, it, it, so important education on the issue. Um, Satoshi Action Fund has a few resources that people can access. If you go to satoshiaction.io and you go under our proof of work page, we have a one pager there on the benefits of Bitcoin mining, which people can download, they can print, they can send. Um, and then also there's a legislator's guide there as well that talks about the value of the technology, which is about a you know, 10, 12 page document that people can also uh, download and print if they are interested to do so. Um, and, and another area of education that's important for us is making sure we get better research out there. So last week uh, I launched Satoshi Action Education, which is our research arm for Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and for Satoshi Action Fund. And that organization will be distinctly focused on making sure we get more data backed, peer reviewed, research out into the publications. And the reason why that's so important is because there are just a very significant amount of individuals, but especially those in government, bureaucrats and policymakers who they will not make any sort of positive movements towards Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining unless we can, you know, unless they can access some sort of peer reviewed, you know, publication in a journal. They're, 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 that's just a bar that a lot of folks have, which is, I understand why, because, you know, there are a lot of issues out there that these policymakers have to understand and have a, an opinion on. And, you know, medium posts and Twitter threads are just not enough for these policymakers, despite the fact that we know we, we know what we're talking about. And I think a lot of the folks in this space, especially the Bitcoin space, it, you know, tracks some of the most intelligent people on the planet. And they've written some incredible, you know, articles about, you know, the benefits of this technology and what it can do to solve a lot of the problems that we see in the world. But policymakers just, it, it, there is just this, barrier of entry. And um, uh, unfortunately, I know a lot of people question the peer reviewed process and they question whether this is a legitimate way to be able to source valuable information. But this is just the method that we have. You know, I think it's the same uh, argument that people say about democracy. They're like, you know, it's the worst kind of government except for all others. Well, the peer reviewed process is, is the worst process except for all the other processes. So Satoshi Action Fund and combined with Satoshi Action Education now is going to be working to ensure that we get really active 
uh, information into the publications. And what that means in the near term is we are actually have partnered with uh, Dr. Murray Rudd, who's coming on as our science advisor, and he's going to help guide us through the process. Dr. Murray Rudd has been published almost 80 times, been cited almost five, over 5,000 times. And so he's going to be able to help us be able to get our work published and get out there because right now the only thing in the public, uh, the only thing in the peer review process or in publications is Alex DeVries and, you know, his, his supporters. So we need to really make sure that we're taking a look at this space of peer reviewed academic research and work and doing everything we can to break through that ceiling. So we're going to be doing, uh, this is kind of news. We haven't, you know, have, hasn't actually come out yet, uh, but we're going to be doing a uh, call for folks to come and post at a journal that we're working with, that Dr. Murray Rudd is working with. Uh, we're so special issues, so folks can, in the Bitcoin space, we hope, and in the Bitcoin mining space, we've got people that have done a lot of great work in the past, you know, guys like Daniel Batten, Troy Cross, uh, Jason Lowry, who have all these great ideas and theses that they wanna push forward. We're hoping that they will submit to the journal and hopefully we can get them uh, published and get them peer reviewed. Absolutely fantastic, Dennis. We, we thank you for your time and, you know, you are you are leading the way in order to create on a state by state basis, right, um, really uh, leading the fight, leading the way to create a friendly regulatory environment uh, for Bitcoin mining. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, an extremely important thing, particularly here in the United States, uh, that we get this done uh, so that the United States can be uh, the breeding ground for uh, what what could be the, the, the largest one of the largest commodity produ producers uh, over the next many decades and, and perhaps even century and beyond. Um, Dennis, before we sign off here, any, any parting thoughts about what's going on with Satoshi, any, any other things going on with Satoshi Action Fund and also where people can find you? Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. I very much appreciate you inviting me on to share some of the work that we're doing. Uh, folks can go to satoshiaction.io to check out all of our work. That's where the one pager is. That's where the legislator's guide is at. And there's also a learning center there for a few other topics as well. And then if you want to learn more about our new entity, which is Satoshi Action um, Education, you can go to satoshiaction.org to check out the work that we have there and, and see uh, some of the board members that we've been able to bring on board and also learn a little bit more about our new science advisor, uh, Dr. Murray Rudd. But no, that's pretty much it. You know, For the most part, uh, that's, that's the work that we have out there. We're going to be fighting in Austin to push back against this attack on Bitcoin mining. We're going to be pushing our you know, pro-Bitcoin mining legislation like the Right to Mine bill. And we're going to be continuing to do everything we can to educate policymakers, regulators, and the general public on the benefits of this technology. Fantastic. Keep up the excellent work, Dennis. Uh, I know I'll, I'll be monitoring all of it as it's occurring uh, on Twitter. No shortage of information there. Uh, keep fighting the good fight, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, Joe. And again, a special thanks to Passport for sponsoring this video. Foundation Devices is a fantastic company, and they make an extremely beautiful device, as you can see here. It is an absolutely remarkable piece of work. It is the best in class design for a Bitcoin hardware wallet. And if you have been on the fence about taking your Bitcoin into self-custody, now's the time. Not only are you getting a sweet deal, but this is the best device on the market for ease of use and easily putting your Bitcoin into cold storage if you've been on the fence. You can use code BitcoinLayer at checkout. You can go to the BitcoinLayer.com foundation or use the link in our description. Take care, guys.